Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Elchanan Miller on Parashat Miketz. This podcast is sponsored by Rabbi Shalom and Shana Cantor on the occasion of their son Noam's bar mitzvah. We wish them Mazal Tov. And now, here is Rabbi Elchanan Miller. Hello and greetings to all the listeners of the Pardes Weekly Parsha podcast. I'm Elchanan Miller, a teacher at Pardes, and I'm speaking to you from Jerusalem. Miketz is the second of two consecutive parshiot, or Torah portions, that revolve around intense dreaming. Yosef is first introduced to us in last week's parsha, Vayeshev, through his dual dreams about his brothers. These vivid dreams, which depict his brothers as subservient to him, earn him the pejorative moniker Baal Chalomot, the dreamer. Vayeshev ends with another pair of dreams, this time those of his cellmates in the Egyptian prison, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, dreams which Yosef solves correctly. Now, if dreaming gets Yosef into trouble at the beginning of Vayeshev, it also gets him out of trouble at the end of it, eventually allowing for his release from jail. Yosef isn't, of course, the first dreamer in the family. His father, Yaakov, is also a famous dreamer. In chapter 28 in Parashat Vayetze, en route to his family in Haran, Yaakov dreams of a ladder on which angels of God ascend and descend. In that dream, God promises Yaakov that he will return to the land of Canaan and inherit it, and also that he'll be fruitful and multiply. Later, in chapter 31, another prophetic dream about streaked, speckled, and spotted goats means that Yaakov can leave the home of his uncle Lavan, a rich man. So dreaming, it seems, runs in the family. And so, Yosef finds himself, at the start of this week's parsha, Miketz, standing in front of Pharaoh and asks to solve his cryptic uh, couplet dream about seven lean cows devouring seven fat cows, and of seven thin heads of grain consuming seven hearty heads of grain. Yosef's solution of the dream becomes political advice, which so impresses Pharaoh that he appoints him as his viceroy. The rest, as they say, is history. Our sages, Chazal, as well as our Torah commentators, were fascinated with dreams. An extremely long passage in Tractate Brachot, Masechet Brachot, in the Babylonian Talmud, deals with the meaning of dreams and their importance. The Tana, or Mishnaic sage, Rabbi Elazar ben Shamoa, asserts in Brachot 55b that all the dreams follow the mouth. In other words, that the interpretation of the dream determines its meaning in reality. Rabbi Elazar bases this on the words of Pharaoh's cupbearer, as he interpreted to us, so it was. The Amora, or Talmudic sage Rava, qualifies the earlier statement of Rabbi Elazar ben Shamoa 
saying that a solution can only come true when solidly grounded in the dream itself, since the cupbearer stressed Ishka Chalomopatal, he interpreted to each man according to his dream, the stress here being on his dream. To prove that point, the Talmud quotes a man named Rabbi Bena'a, I think that's the only time he's mentioned in the Talmud, who says there were 24 interpreters of dreams in Jerusalem. One time I dreamt a dream, he's quoted as saying, and I approached all of them, meaning all the 24 interpreters. Each one came up with a different interpretation, but they were all realized in me. Reading the position of the Talmud leaves us thinking that dreams have more than one possible solution and only depend on the verbalization by those solving the dreams. However, a passage in Midrash Bereshit Rabbah brings in another important element, namely that the interpretation of a dream must also seem reasonable to the dreamer. Rabbi Yehoshua of Sachnin, in the name of Rabbi Levi, said, They would interpret it, but their voices would not enter his ears, meaning Pharaoh's ears. The seven good cows are seven daughters that you will beget, and the seven bad cows are seven daughters that you will bury, said these magicians. Likewise, they said, the seven good sheaves are seven kingdoms that you will conquer and the seven bad sheaves are seven ministers that will rebel against you. Rashi explains this idea based on a verse, based on verse 8, chapter 41 in Bereshit. Pharaoh first shared his dream with his advisors, the magicians of Egypt, but ein poterotam leparo. None could interpret them for Pharaoh. In other words, it's Pharaoh, it's the dreamer, himself, the person himself, who needs to accept the interpretation of the dream. It's not enough to provide an interpretation, we learn, and not enough that the interpretation be based on the interpreter's understanding of the dream, but the interpretation must also make sense to the client or the dreamer. And that's precisely where Yosef excelled over all the other magicians in Pharaoh's court. According to the Midrash, Yosef had the rare capacity of getting into Pharaoh's mind and knowing exactly what he thinks and what he saw in the dream. Here's how Midrash Tanchuma describes the dialogue between Pharaoh and Yosef. And Pharaoh said unto Yosef, I have, I have dreamt a dream. As he was about to relate the dream to him, he decided to test Yosef by altering the dream slightly. He said, Seven cows went up out of the Nile, whereupon Yosef replied, That is not so. You saw fat and healthy cows. Pharaoh, Pharaoh continues, And there were, he said to him, seven lean and ill-favored cows. And Yosef replied, You did not see this, but rather ugly-appearing and thin-fleshed cows. And there were seven full and good ears of corn, he continued. Whereupon Yosef answered, That too is not so. You saw fat and good ones. There were seven shrunken ears of corn, he added. And Yosef responded, That is not so. You beheld seven ears of corn, withered, thin, and blistered by the east wind. 
Pharaoh now began to wonder about this. He said to him, you must have been behind me when I had my dream. As it is said, for inasmuch as God hath shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. Yosef's responses to Pharaoh's dream may seem like nitpicking, but it's precisely the accuracy in Yosef's description that seems to have impressed Pharaoh so much and brought him to advance Yosef and give him the position that he eventually got. Dreams have featured prominently in post-Talmudic Jewish literature as well. Sefer Hasidim, a compendium of medieval Ashkenazi traditions attributed to Rabbi Yehuda HaChasid, not to be confused with later Hasidim in the Hasidic movement, these are early Ashkenazic Hasidim, medieval Hasidim, or pious people, was written at the end of the 12th century. According to Sefer Hasidim, dreams are a series of confused messages that come to people in their sleep and serve as a type of premonition to what will happen in waking hours. But dreams are jumbled, and to quote the book, the thoughts in them aren't real, and when the person sleeps, his thoughts are mixed up with those of the angel. Sefer Hasidim also quotes a statement from the Talmud in Tractate Brachot, which we saw earlier, that dreams are one-sixtieth of a prophecy. So there is something prophetic, according to the Talmud, about dreams. Around the same time as Sefer Hasidim was written, but hundreds of miles south of the Rhineland, Moses Maimonides in Spain, or maybe in Morocco at this point, was explaining to the readers of his legal code, Mishneh Torah, what they should do if they have a bad dream. In his Laws of Ta'anit, or Fasts, he writes that one isn't allowed to declare a fast on Shabbat, and one must declare the fast a day in advance, during the day. But Maimonides makes an exception for someone who had a bad dream at night. And so he writes, One who sees a bad dream needs to fast on the morrow, so as to return, become cognizant of his actions. By return he means make tshuva, repent. Examine them and repent. And he should fast even on Shabbat. And he should recite the prayer, answer us, anenu, in every prayer, meaning in every shmonesra that he recites, even though he did not accept it from when it was still day. One who fasts on Shabbat must fast another day on account of his nullifying the commandment of delighting in the Shabbat. So there need to be two fasts if one has to fast on Shabbat. One because it's the following day of the dream, and another for tormenting oneself on Shabbat, which in itself is sinful. Paro's dream, Pharaoh's dream, also features prominently in Hasidic thought. And I'd like to share with you two Hasidic teachings that I found significant. The Degel Machane Ephraim likens the cows and the seven stalks to seven midot, or sfirot in Kabbalah. Now the, the Degel Machane Ephraim, I should note, is Rabbi Moshe Chaim Ephraim of Sudilkov, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, who lived in Mezhibozh, Poland, between 1748 
and 1800. So he likens the cows, the seven cows to seven stock and seven stocks to seven midot or sfirot in Kabbalah. That is chesed, gvura, tiferet, etc. These are sort of attributes or aspects um, of God which have implications or influence on, on us as humans. The Degel Mechanei Ephraim writes that often we plan to ascend these midot, to advance in our behaviors towards the good, Hatov. But then suddenly an unplanned thought comes and pulls us away from the good towards the bad. He refers to the images in the dreams, in Pharaoh's dreams, with a play on words. He takes the word parot, which means cows, and sort of plays with them and turns them into parim veravim, pu'urvu, right, to multiply. He takes the word shibolim, or stalks, and says they are not shibolim, they are seven shvilim, or paths that lead upwards. But these cows, or thoughts, also have the potential of pulling us down, just like in the dream, when the seven thin cows devoured the seven healthy cows, to the point where they, where we forgot that the original cows even existed. And it wasn't known that they were consumed. And then the Degel Machane Ephraim writes, you have to be very vigilant and open-eyed. You have to come with open, open sight, with open eyes. And you need to be discerning and wise. And that's, of course, a reference to what Paro says about Yosef in verse 39. There is none as discerning and wise as you. And you need to somehow imprison or, or tie yourself, shackle yourself. That you have to be very vigilant and 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 strong in order to remember to um, uphold your first thought that pulls you upward towards the tov, towards the good, and not fall down with the second thought that came to mind that can devour and consume your first thought completely. Right, in verse 34, um, Joseph advises Pharaoh, Joseph advises Pharaoh, and let Pharaoh take steps to appoint overseers over the land and organize the land of Egypt in the seven years of plenty. Or in Hebrew, So, Yosef advises Pharaoh to appoint um, civil servants or overseers to manage the wealth of the country and distribute the wealth during the seven good years. 
In the Degel Machane Ephraim's reading, these pekidim, these overseers, aren't real people, but rather an internal process of vig vigilance over our thoughts. So if we compare this, um, in a way, self-help book or this self-help commentary to another um, Hasidic excerpt, we see stark contrast. So if the Degel Machane Ephraim's commentary is one of internal self-work, the second commentary I want to introduce to you is more historic or even political in nature. The Sfat Emet is Rabbi Yehuda Arye Leib Alter, the third Rebbe of Gur, or Ger, a Polish Hasidic dynasty that is very powerful in the United States and in Israel to this day. The Sfat Emet lived between the years 1847 and 1905 in Poland. For the Sfat Emet, the first message in Paro's dream was directed at, at Paro himself, at Pharaoh. So the Sfat Emet uh, says that this dream serves as a reminder to Pharaoh, probably not this Pharaoh, but the future Pharaoh that we'll meet in the book of Shemot is that even though right now the children of Israel are uh, prisoners or subservient to him, in any event, he has no power um, against God. And he proves this by saying, Asher lo yadait Yosef. That's the beginning of the book of, of Exodus, where we meet a new Pharaoh who didn't remember Joseph, who forgot this important lesson, namely that God stands over the children of Israel and protects them. For the Sfat Emet, the moral of the dream is to prepare ourselves in the good days for the bad days. And that's maybe the second aspect of the dream guided towards the readers of this text. And so he writes, We need to prepare ourselves in the good days to reveal and to hold on to the Kedusha, when the Kedusha is manifest, when the Kedusha is apparent. And we need to fix this Kedusha, this this enlightenment in our heart, in order that it remain there when the Kedusha is hidden in the difficult days. That's a quote from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. On good days, be good. To fix this enlightenment in the human body. See now how to behave later in the difficult days. Before every trial that we go through, says the Sfat Emet, 
there is some sort of enlightenment or some sort of revelation from God that teaches us how to behave later. But the message in Pharaoh's dream isn't just for, for Pharaoh himself, nor for us, the readers, but also for Yosef. V'efshar haya gam ken remez Yosef writes the Sfat Emet, shebezman zeh sheimloch b'mitzrayim yachin al yemei hagalut. Yosef is about to become viceroy, is about to become the deputy of the king, but the dream, says the Sfat Emet, should already prepare him for those difficult days that will come when the children of Israel, his descendants and the descendants of his brothers, will be in exile. So it's not just that Egypt needs to be prepared for the difficult days of famine, but also that the children of Israel need to prepare for their future in exile. And obviously he's writing this from exile, maybe a difficult time in exile. To conclude, clearly dreams can be interpreted in many different ways. These various readings of Pharaoh's dream couldn't demonstrate better, I think, the saying in the Talmud, Kol achalomot olchim All the dreams follow the mouth. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or by visiting elmod.pardes.org for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Tune in next week as Yiska Smith discusses Parashat Bayigash. Thanks for listening.